Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trade in the Stock Market. And today's episode, we're going to talk about a missed market rally. Now, NASDAQ over the last 11 or so days, over the last two weeks, let's just say, up about 10%. That's a big freaking rally. And it was a very easy one to miss. So what if you missed it? What do you do? In today's email, we're going to talk exactly about that. Now, I don't use people's real names for the sake of the fact that 10 years from now, they might not want their name to be used. So instead, I use or attribute to them a Florida redneck name. Today's Florida redneck name is going to be Jedediah. Jedediah writes, hi, Ryan. I'm reaching out today with a mix of frustration and a bit of desperation. I've been a loyal follower of your podcast, and right now I'm in the need of some of your insight on this market. So here's my story. I completely missed the boat on the stock market rally that kicked off on October 27th, 2023. Watching this ongoing surge, I'm kicking myself for being on the sidelines during a massive 10% market rally. It's like a punch in the gut every time I look at the charts. Now I'm in this tricky spot. I'm super weary of jumping in now because everything screams overbought to me. The last thing I want to do is be the sucker who buys at the top right before things swing the other way. But sitting back and doing nothing feels just as bad. Ryan, what would you do in this scenario? I'm trying to navigate these waters without letting my frustration cloud my judgment, but it's tough. Any advice on how to handle this market without getting burned or missing out even more? Thanks again for being so helpful in this crazy market. Best regards, Jedediah. So there's a lot to talk about here because I can relate a lot to what this person is going through in relation to this market rally. And the first thing that I would say is, is that you're not going to catch every stock market rally. You're just not. There's going to be plenty of market rallies that you miss out on in life. And one that lasts two weeks, it's not going to be life-defining. The market I've been selling off for about close to about three months. There was a top in July, and then it sold off up until about two weeks ago. And then we're getting this crazy market rally. It's blown my mind how much it's rallied in 10 days. Not that I thought it was impossible for it to do that. I've seen crazy rallies before. I've seen the market rally almost 10% in one day. You go back to like 2018, late December, just after Christmas. I think it might have been the day after Christmas. Most people were still trying to get the presents off of the floor, or, you know, throw away the old presents from last year. But during that time, the market hit a bottom and just screamed higher. That was a big market move. But what we saw here were, yes, the market's been selling off for three months, but it wasn't what you would call a cataclysmic sell-off. It wasn't even a full market correction. And a market correction is what, 10%? We didn't even get that far. And yet, what we've seen out of the NASDAQ and to a lesser extent out of the S&P has been just an incredible scorching rally. But if you look at the Russell 2000, it's completely different. It's really not even bounced. It bounced on this past Friday, but that was it. The Russell has been completely left behind. Why is that? Because you have FANG stocks. And when I refer to the FANG stocks, I'm talking about essentially Meta, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, NVIDIA, Google, Microsoft, and Tesla. Those stocks. Those stocks are pushing the whole market higher. They're the reason for the market rally. The breadth hasn't been that great, but you look at the returns of the NASDAQ. Why is it up so much relative to the S&P 500? Because those stocks represent a much bigger percentage of the total market cap of the 
NASDAQ 100. And to a lesser extent, there's it's still a huge presence on the S&P 500, but it's still a lesser extent than it is on the NASDAQ 100. It hasn't so the S&P 500 hasn't moved up as much, but it still has moved up a great deal. And then you got the Russell 2000, which hasn't even got the engine started really. Why is that? Because they have none of the big tech stocks in that index. So they're going to be trading without that heavy influence of where everybody, and this is what everybody's doing these days. Instead of the traditional market where people get nervous about the market, they're dumping their money into utilities, staples, and to a lesser degree, like real estate stocks or REITs. Everybody's dumping their money into big tech, but these are the biggest companies out there. So if you get those stocks to rally, it's going to lift the whole market, almost like we're not even having a sell-off. It's like circular logic. It really doesn't make too much sense, but that's really what most of these big Wall Street firms are doing. In fact, I've heard from people that are essentially, they're not allowed to buy anything else. That's all they're allowed to buy. And really Wall Street, and this is what Wall Street does. They overplay their hand on everything. We, we always want to act like, oh, the street is smart at what they're doing. No, they're by and large, they're morons. The analysts, morons. Look at how they predict. They have all the tools in the world, how off they're on GDP, on jobless claims, on employment, on CPI. They miss everything, especially on earnings. In fact, they miss so much so I often wonder if there's not this like coordinated effort to lowball all of these big tech companies and their earnings so that they're always outperforming the estimates. Now, that's me starting to put on a little bit of conspiracy hat there. But essentially what I'm trying to say is I have no respect for Wall Street. I don't think that they're very good at what they do. They look right because they have trillions of dollars at their disposal. They have your money and, and grandpa's money and, and everybody else that puts their trust in them. So yeah, they get away with it, but they're not that smart. So when they're starting to overplay their hand with all these big tech stocks, it's going to be very similar to what happened to dot-com. Everybody was piling into the dot-com thinking that nothing could go wrong. NASDAQ drops 87% over the course of three years. Microsoft drops over 80%. Think it can't happen? It can happen, especially when they're piling in this much, especially when you got Apple with declining revenues year over year, and yet people are still buying this thing and pushing it up to over a 30 PE. For those who don't know what a PE is, it's a ratio for the price to earnings. And so... Traditionally, you'll see Apple trading at around like a 16 or 17, 18 PE. No, now it's trading at a 30. They're almost paying twice the amount for earnings than they would have like five, six years ago. And you got Tesla. You see all of the EV stocks just completely plummeting. Yes, Tesla's taking a hit too. They're still trading at a 65 PE, folks. No one get me started on NVIDIA. It's in triple digits. So how can you call those really safe havens when you're paying such a premium for their earnings? In any case... Where am I going with this? <laughs> I'm going off the rails talking about big tech, but I just wanted to give you essentially like a little bit of an insight into what's going on in the market, the reasoning for the rally, why we're getting this rally. It's really not on much news at all. It's just a FOMO run where it's people seeing other people buying, so they think they should be buying more. People see those people buying, so they're buying. And it just keeps going in. People are putting their money all into the big tech stocks and it lifts everything. And I think I even saw reports where it said that retail, for instance, was as long as they've been since April of this year. So heavily long on the retail side as well. But I would tell you, and this goes back to my first point, that you're not going to catch every market rally. And I would build on that by saying, too, that if this is the beginning of this major market rally, like we put in a bottom at the end of October of this year after the three-month decline, and this is the start of a brand new bull market rally, then what are you worried about missing the first 10% for? Because if this is a brand new bull market rally, there'll be plenty of opportunity to get long on it. Plenty. Because if this is going for, you know, two, three years, like we're just going to be in this incredible bull market for a while going forward. Yeah, there'll be plenty of opportunity to get long on it. And you always hear me talk about 
don't really go for the bottom or for the top of the market. Go for the meat and potatoes. You want to get the big chunk of the middle section. That's where you really want to extract your gains from. Folks trying to get in at the bottom, folks trying to get out at the top, that's where they start to lose money. If you're trying to short at the top or you're trying to get long on the bottom, that's where trying to step in front of the freight train getting short or trying to catch the falling knot if you get long, that's where you lose your money. But the middle section, that's what you really want. That's the good stuff. That's the meat and potatoes. I say this because I have to tell myself that. And th- let me tell you my story. For the better part of October, I was short on the market. I played that bounce in early October. Maybe it goes back to like late September, early October. I was playing the bounce there with like Meta and Microsoft. Good trades, made a few bucks off of it. And then the market started to reverse. Then I got into QID. I got into PSQ. I got into RWM. All good returns. But then not last week, but the week before when the FOMC statement came out. FOMC statement came out, I think it was November 1st on Wednesday. But the rally really started three days before that on a Friday, October 27th. The market had been selling off heavy before that. We were getting some huge candles to the downside. Then you start to get it like this candle. It was a green candle. It was a positive candle. But the closing price was lower than the opening price, which means people were fading stocks or fading the indices from the get-go. And then the next two days, that was a Monday and Tuesday before the FOMC statement, you start to get a little bit more of a bounce. But I'm still in my short positions. I'm still bearish because we hadn't even broken through the five-day moving average. It wasn't until the Tuesday before the FOMC statement where we were breaking above the five-day moving average. Like It's hard to get bullish on the market when you're not even trading above a five-day moving average. If you're not trading above the five-day moving average, what are you getting bullish about? So finally, the day before the FOMC statement, we break above it. I go ahead and close out all my short exposure or my bearish exposure because it was really inverse ETFs. I wasn't actually short. I was, I was long on ETFs that are inverse of the equities. Gosh, probably listening to that on a podcast can probably twist you up a little bit, right? But nonetheless, just know I was bearish, okay? So I was making money off of inverse ETFs. Then you get the FOMC that comes out 2 p.m., two hours before the market closes. Doesn't really do much. It was kind of a nothing reaction to the FOMC statement. It wasn't until the presser started at 2.30, and those go for like an hour. And during his presser, he will say all sorts of stuff that'll cause the market to sell off, cause it to rally. You can't really trust those movements. At least I've never been able to trust them. Well, in the essentially like the last hour of trade, the market just completely takes off. Well, Okay. Kudos to the market. I will go ahead and, you know, let it run its course for the remainder of the hour and then go ahead and look to see if the market wants to continue this rally in the days ahead where I can get long at. Well, we had a freaking like almost like a 2% gap higher on the on the queues and then it keeps rallying. Then you get an, another gap the following day and it really never looked back. I mean, you've had one down day ever since and then that was quickly reversed just on Friday with a huge market reversal to the upside, taking it even higher and now possibly even setting up to take out the highs of the year. But here's the crazy part. We're talking about, you know, these massive gains in the overall market. But you know only four sectors are trading higher on the year? Four. You've got tech, you got services, you got consumer staples and you got industrials. That's it. That's all you got. Communications, you got tech, you got discretionary and you got industrials. Everything else, blazing red. Utilities down 14%. You got staples down 7.5%. You got real estate down 7%. You have financials. They're down almost 1%. Materials down about a half percent. But lots and lots of red in this market. It's all about the big tech stocks. Every one of those sectors minus industrials are all benefiting from big tech. So wrapping up my story. I have not gotten long on this market at all, at all. I've been sitting in cash the whole time. I, I trade, tried one short position, was profitable on it for the first day, and then I got you know squeezed out of it the following day, took like a 1.5% loss. Moving on. That was it. That's the only thing I've done. And yes, it is very frustrating 
to sit there and you're like, holy cow, I can't believe I missed out on a 10% run. But like I said, I was talking about the five-day moving average and then the FOMC statement that came the following day, letting that market run its course throughout that final hour trading on the FOMC statement. And then you get the massive gap higher. At that point, it was really difficult to ever get long again because there was really no edge in doing so. The reward risk ratio was completely against you. The market's already overbought at this point. Now it's even more overbought. It's screaming overbought, like what Jedediah says in this email. And by the way, before I forget, don't forget to check out swingtradeinthestockmarket.com. That's going to be the patron service that goes alongside of this podcast. You're going to get all my stock market research each and every day. That's going to include daily watch lists, master watch list updates each week. Know the stocks that I'm looking at, potentially trading. Plus, you're going to get big tech updates and market updates as well. So check that out. You're supporting the podcast in the process. It's super cheap. Swingtradeinthestockmarket.com. And so having missed out on the rally, I can relate a lot to Jedediah here because we're pretty much in the same boat. It doesn't bother me all that much, but it does annoy me. And I feel the annoyance because you're like, man, there's really no opportunity for me to get long. Now, some of you listening is like, oh, there was plenty of opportunity, whatever. You know, everybody has a different approach to swing trading. Okay. So if you have a more aggressive approach, yes, there was opportunity for you to get in. For me, I put a lot of emphasis, as most of you guys already know, on the risk aspect. So when the risk starts to get out of hand, when the market starts to get too carried away, yes, I'm going to peel back some. I'm not going to chase after. So I'll say this too. If this is a dead cat bounce, Jedediah is in the perfect situation that you could ask to be in. If it's getting ready to top out here and we're going to reverse lower, then being in 100% cash is ideal because now he has the flexibility to get bearish on this market once it starts to pull back some. He's not rushing to get out of his long position. And if there's continuation to the upside and there's more opportunity to by getting long on this market, like I said, let's say it goes on for two more years, then there's not going to be much to worry about having missed the first 10%. If we're going to go up another 50, 60% here, there's plenty of opportunity to profit off of that run. But the one thing you want to make sure that you're not doing is trying to make things right, saying to yourself, oh man, I missed out on the first 10%. I got to get long now and try to squeeze as much money as I can out of the market. I'm going to get into some very heavy volatile stocks. Maybe I'll get into SPCE or I will get into Alibaba or Biden's things that are just absolutely bonkers to trade right now. I'm going to go in and get into those because that gives me the best chance to make up the money really fast if I'm right on that trade. Or I'm going to go into margin. I'm going to go, you know, 2x in the margin. Then you're really starting to put yourself in a bad position. It's okay to miss out on a rally. What's not good is to take on unnecessary losses and you're putting yourself in that position to possibly lose big time. And you don't want to do that as a trader. You want to stay in control. And so trying to make things right trying to get back what you think you should have had by having participated in the rally earlier only sets you up for big mistakes, big losses. And you want to avoid that. You want to stay away from that mental breakdown that leads you to making big gambles, big bets that you may not ever recover from. And think about where we're at right now. I think this past week marked one year out from the next presidential <laughs> cycle. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Gotta love the commercials that are about to hit our airwaves here from, <laughs> from both parties. But Anyways, this isn't to get political at all. But if you look at our recent recessions, you go back 20 years, 23 years. Let's go back 23 years. Most of your recessions happened one year out of a presidential election. Think about it. The 2000.com bubble when Clinton was president. That started one year out from George W. Bush getting elected president. And then when George W. Bush was president, you still had the Nasdaq.com bubble still trying to find a bottom in 2003. That was one year out from the re-election campaign that he had. It finally bottomed in 2003, but still, that was like a year out. And then 2008, what did you have? You had the Great Recession took place. That took us all the way through March of 2009 when there was a new president, Barack Obama. And then you take when Trump was president, 
2020, you had the COVID recession that took place in March of 2020. You had a pretty nasty sell-off for about six weeks. That was a recession as well. So here we are again, 2024. We're a year out from, an, from another presidential election. There's a very good chance, based off of what we've seen in 2022, based off of what we're seeing right now with interest rates, based off of what we're seeing in the bond market and the rising yields, and the fact that the Fed's going to stay higher for longer, that we're in the midst of another recession as well. So if you missed out on this market rally, it feels like you'll miss out on it forever. I get that. It feels like that to me right now. I'm a human when it comes to trading. I feel the emotions as well. I just understand what those emotions probably mean more than others just from an experience standpoint. But I know that the market will not go up forever, that there will be more pullbacks, that there will be more opportunities. And you have to remember that when it comes to trading, that you don't want to force your hand because I got to get long right here because I missed out on the rally. Forget about the rally. Forget about it. Look at what the price is doing right now. What does it tell you right now? Well, for me, it tells me that it's overbought. I don't want to get long on it right here, even though I missed out on the move off of the October 27th lows. I don't want to get long on it. I'm more than happy to wait. I'm not losing money by doing this. I'm setting up for the next move that makes sense from a reward risk standpoint. So if you enjoyed this podcast, I would encourage you to leave me a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It's a great service. I think you will like it. And I try to keep everybody in mind that there's different approaches to the stock market all the time. So I'm always putting out there a lot of different ideas each and every morning, followed by reviews in the afternoon. It's really good stuff. Plus, make sure to send me your questions, ryan at shareplanner.com. I don't get enough email from you guys. I think some of you guys are bashful. And I'm not just talking about guys, guys and gals. Send me your questions. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what you have to say. Thank you guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead. Sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Shareplanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.